Welcome to the podcast of Revival Life Church, a spirit-filled multicultural church in Boca Raton, Florida. If you would like more information about Revival Life Church or Pastor Carl Thomas, you can find us on the web at revivallife.church. Why do we gather as a church? What, what is, what's, the, what's the point? Um, and uh, I, I want you to think about this in, 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 in the context of the Lord's Supper. Why, why do we gather? Well, the church gathers because uh, Christ told us to gather, right? But why did he tell us to gather? Um, was it um, entertainment purposes? No, obviously not. Um, why did he tell us to gather? Well, he promised when we do, he would be there in the midst. <clears throat> Here's what's important about that. If something's not happening, you know. Um, and if something's not happening and people want you to think it's happening, they have to begin reinventing words, right? Um, if you study cults at all, which unfortunately is a hobby of mine, um, you, you, you'll notice if you've come out of a Christian cult particularly, you will learn that Christian cults use the same words we do, only they mean something different in the cult. Now, I'm going to give you a couple red flags real quick, and this is, uh, okay, I'm going to try to be quick. Um, when you hear people talk about honor too much, you've got to recognize they're not talking about honor, they're talking about obedience. So when a Christian church, you start hearing them, honor is a big thing. Then all of a sudden, what's going to happen is stuff is coming that the leader is going to want you to do that you don't want to do, but honor is to shut down your brain and follow them. So that's a, that's a, honor is a good cultic word that we use in the church a lot. I believe in honor. Um, uh, I believe in it a lot. And I followed ministers that really believed in honor until, um, <laughs> I'm going to reel that one back in a little bit. Uh, the spirit, okay? What, 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 is, what is, you know, feeling the spirit move? What does that mean? Does that mean an assurance? Well, let me tell you this. If God is in the room, you're going to know. If God is in the room, you're going to know. Um, uh, what is the fruit of the Spirit? Well, the fruit of the Spirit is when God is working in your life in a way that grace starts coming through your life in ways that even surprise you. That's the fruit of the Spirit. That, that's, a, that's, that's bringing forth fruit. Someone teaching you how to manage your budget is not the fruit of the Spirit. That's just wisdom. right? Someone teaching you how to control your tongue, that's not fruit of the Spirit. That's, that's, that's discipleship, and that is, that is good. Right? That is something we want. We want all those things. If you learn how to play an instrument or you learn how to show up on time and serve or you learn how to be a better parent, all those things we're supposed to be doing, but they're not fruit of the Spirit. Fruit shows up and it's produced by itself. Right? It's, we're in mango season in South Florida and the trees are producing mangoes. Nobody taught the tree how to produce mangoes. It is just the fruit of the tree. Does this make sense? The tree is transformed into maturity, and mangoes start to come out. Because it, that's, it, its own kind is being produced in the midst of it. Is this, and so when we start talking about fruit of the Spirit, fruit of the Spirit is not something that you were taught how to do in church. Fruit of the Spirit is, hey, these things are showing up as evidence that I actually am in the Spirit. Right? And so uh, if you are bearing the fruit of the Spirit, people will get healed around you at times. Maybe not all the time, but at times. Or you'll have words of encouragement suddenly and supernaturally for people that you could not have had on your own because that's a, a gift of the Spirit coming out because you're bearing the fruit of the Spirit. All of a sudden, you remember, I used to be able to, I used to lose my mind at these kind of things, and now I have self-control. That's fruit of the Spirit, right? Like I used to be a mean person, and now I am more kind, I am bearing the fruit of the Spirit. I didn't, um, if you have to go to uh, an addiction type um, uh, class, praise God. Do whatever you got to do, right? If you can't stop watching porn and it's starting to really affect your life and you got to go to a group and just admit to somebody, look, I can't stop watching porn. I need some help. Praise God. Go do that. Uh, do, do whatever you got to do to get free. We're all for that, self-discipline, self-control, desiring righteousness. Man, that is all good. But when you recognize that you're not desiring it anymore, you're, that's, that's fruit of the Spirit. Um, I got my phone here, honey, and apparently you're texting people like crazy, and I'm in a group text. Yeah, you are. Yeah, you are. 
See, blaming your wife for things that you did wrong is not fruit of the Spirit. Can I show you the difference? This is super important. This is super important. I, I'm, 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 more, I'm more interested in, um, in, in producing disciples today than I am in giving you a, a clever message. Um, when you start hearing a lot of things about honor, the fact that my wife argued with me would be dishonor because somehow the one in control is the one who should be honored. But the fact that you think somebody should be in control shows that you've not honored the word of God where we're supposed to love one another. I just want to help people get break free of some unhealthy thought patterns right here. And so here, here's, what, here's what I want us to see. In um, John chapter 21, uh, Jesus, as you remember, uh, was murdered, uh, and then he came back from the dead. Uh, who raised him from the dead? The Holy Ghost, right? They're having fun back there. Are you hearing it? Okay, the Holy Ghost raised Jesus back from the dead. Now, Jesus, his life is literally fruit of the Spirit. Okay? The life of Jesus is fruit of the Spirit, and when you live like Jesus, you are producing fruit of the Spirit. That's neither here nor there. And so um, the disciples, after Jesus had ascended, they went back to what they did before they met Jesus. Anybody know someone like that? They get saved, they start walking with God, they start having some hardships, and then all of a sudden they just go back to what they knew beforehand. And I'm, I'm here to tell you uh, there's a third option, right? It's not um, everything's perfect or I can barely get by and I'll go back to where I was. Uh, there, there, is a, there is a third option, which is to welcome Jesus to where I am. Yeah. See, in American um, Christian uh, strivingness, right? We ought to call it strivianity. <laughs> strivianity is that I work really hard to get God to do what I want him to do for me. I work really hard to get God to produce what he promised me he would do anyways. Strivianity means it's not so much about who God is, but what I can do, right? Strivianity means that I can never rest. I have to keep working. I have to keep producing. I have to keep staying on top. I have to stay in warfare. I have to stay in prayer. I have to stay on my devotions. I have to stay being perfect. I, it's all about me. And uh, if I focus on me long enough, God is going to recognize me and do the things that he said he would do anyways. That's strivianity, Right? Uh, it's not necessarily Christianity. And what we see is the disciples, after Jesus died uh, and came back from the dead, they didn't know it yet, and they went back to fishing. And in John chapter 21, they're out there on the boat doing their thing, and not for nothing, the Bible tells us they're not being very good at it, right? Because that is not going to fulfill you. Going back to who you were before Jesus, when you're ignorant, that looked fun. But now that you have tasted of the life of Jesus, you will never be fulfilled in that life again like you were before. You cannot go back. Amen. The devil wants to make you think you can go back, but you actually cannot go back. You can't go back because that's not there anymore. It's only in your imagination. That point in your life is only in your imagination. You get married and you're like, oh, I remember how great it was when I was single. Yeah, except for the depression that you were in that you want to be married. Or when you're single and, and you're like, oh, I don't want to, I don't, come on somebody. And maybe that made you rush into a marriage you shouldn't have gotten into, right? And so, and so, and so. Um, the problem isn't the marriage or the singleness. The problem is the depression, right? But we go fantasize uh, about a time uh, when we wanted something and, uh, and, and then we finally walk into it. We're not happy. And I'm like, oh, I wish I can go back. You can't go back because you're not the same person you were back there, yeah. right? And so they try to go back to who they were before Jesus. Only problem is they're not that person anymore. They're just not that anymore. So they're out there on the seas, the Bible tells us, and they're not catching anything. That is the life of the backslid Christian. Right? You're doing the stuff, you're living the life, but it is not catching anything. You're like, well, I know backslidden people are perfectly happy. And I'm not saying that if you stop going to church, you're going you're to be a miserable, you know, I'm, I'm, that's, that's not who we are. So don't hear what I'm not saying, right? Uh, but what I am saying is there is a part of your creation and purpose that will not be fulfilled outside of Christ. Yeah. And you cannot go back to a time when you didn't know about your creation and purpose. Yeah. You, you can't go back. Now, now, now you've recognized a hole that only Jesus can fill, except now you're at a place where Jesus can't fill it. So what happens? What happens is you are in strivianity, and uh, you recognize that no matter how hard I work, God doesn't get any better. My, my, my striving doesn't actually produce the righteousness of God. That was actually written about a couple thousand years ago, right? Uh, and so what we, in our disappointment of being unable to control our lives, uh, we just go to some other realm of living that we can control thinking now what i really want is control no 
it's not going to do it for you. Is this making sense? <clears throat> so in our desire to control God, we, we, we sign up for strivianity. We're attracted to it because we're sold a brand of Christianity that says you could be a Christian and still be in control, which is a false doctrine, right? It's just a lie. You, you, being a Christian literally means you cannot be in control any longer. You cannot give your life to God and still be in control of your life. It doesn't make any kind of sense. I cannot give my kids, you know, like my, 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 an iPad and say it's still my iPad. It's not my iPad. It's yours. I gave it to you. If somebody gives you something and they still want control over it, it's not an actual gift, right? It's now a means of manipulation, right? And so a lot of churches are giving people a gift that they still control as a means of manipulation, Like right? I'm giving you this salvation. However, it expires if you don't serve four Sundays a week, you know, or it expires if you don't, like, that's not a free gift, right? And so we see the disciples here tried to go back to their old life after Jesus was crucified. The only problem is it's, that life isn't there anymore. And so now they're out fishing and they're not catching any fish. <clears throat> Jesus shows up on the scene, yells out to Peter as only Jesus can do, hey, you catching any fish? Don't you love it when Jesus shows up and starts showing you you're not getting things right? You're like, I already knew I was failing, God. I really didn't need you to point it out. <laughs> Only problem is that that conviction of what you're getting wrong is an open door to conversation with God who can bring solutions. And so as we have an American church, I'm, I'm, I'm on a rant today because I'm, I don't know why, pray for me, and I maybe move on to something slightly more positive. <clears throat> and so we have an American church today that is bending over backwards, tying itself in knots to make sure no one ever gets convicted of anything. And so you don't have an open door to the true Spirit of God who will convict the world of righteousness, sin, and judgment because we are cutting off the first ministry of Holy Spirit, and that is to convict, to, to give your life, to lay down your life, to be a servant, to be a disciple, to give your life for those around you. Uh, since the church is so terrified that people might cancel them if they don't make them happy and entertain them every Sunday, that they teach them a gospel that isn't actually true. It's not actually life. It doesn't put meat on the bones, and you got to produce a better concert every week to get them people coming back. This is not what we see in the scriptures. What we see in the scriptures is, I encountered Jesus. I tell you about this encounter with Jesus. You have an encounter with Jesus. Now, you have a whole, wholly independent relationship with Jesus Christ on your own, and I have an independent relationship with Jesus Christ on my own, and we have a relationship. And together, I partake of your relationship with Jesus, you partake of my relationship with Jesus, and we fulfill the picture of who Jesus is on the earth through fellowship with one another, Jesus at the head of the table. What does that mean? That means that if I don't hear your gift, you don't hear my gift, I don't have communion with you, you don't have communion with me, neither of us has communion with Jesus. Okay, let me try to point this out real quick. I, I, this is it's super simple. Um, and so Jesus, uh, we're in, I'm, in, I'm, I'm in John 21. If you've got your Bible, you can open your app, do whatever you want to do. You want to see this, they don't have it on the screen, so you're just going to have to trust me for it. Hi, people online. Hope you're following along. Hope you've got your Bible. Hope you've made time for Jesus this morning. <clears throat> um, here we go. So we're, we're going to be in verse... Um, 12. So um, he, Jesus told him, cast your net on the other side. You know the story. And the, and the net filled up and they, he brought it to shore. Jesus said, bring it to shore, you know, uh, bring your fish. That's so cute that you got your own fish, right? And so Jesus, um, in verse 12, Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples ventured to question him, who are you? Knowing that it was the Lord. Verse 13, Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them and the fish likewise. This is the third time that Jesus manifested the disciples after he was raised from the dead. So after they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, yes, yes. And he said the third time, verse 17, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him a third time, do you love me? And he said, yes, you know all the things. Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. So in another gospel, it talks about how their eyes were opened as they had the meal. On the road to Emmaus, uh, after Jesus' resurrection, the Bible says that there were this, Jesus was walking with two people on the road to Emmaus. They didn't know who he was, and they were talking. And the Bible says that Jesus told them everything in the Old Covenant, on the Old Testament, concerning himself. Uh, he was going to go on to the next town. The two men were stopping. They said to Jesus, why don't you come and join us for a meal? The Bible then says they sat down for the meal, and as they sat down, 
to eat, their eyes were open to who Jesus was. So here we have, at the meal, they recognized Jesus. On the road to Emmaus, at the meal, they recognized Jesus. There's something about us breaking bread together, recognizing that Jesus is sitting at the head of our table, that we see him in a way we do not see him on our own. We do not see the Lord fully on our own in a way that we can when we join together with other people, breaking the bread, drinking the fruit of the vine, together having a meal. Can you say amen? This is where Jesus manifests himself in Scripture. He literally tastes and sees that the Lord is good. And so Jesus said, when you sit around this table and you celebrate the Passover, this was the Passover meal he was having originally when he instituted the Lord's Supper. The time that God skipped over in the story of the Exodus, that God skipped over those who were righteous and those who were unrighteous were not skipped over. Uh, they celebrate this fact that when you're in God, he skips over your sins to bring you into relationship with him. Every year they would get together and have a meal to celebrate this thing. And Jesus said, hey, when you continue having this meal, thanking God that he's not skipped you over, remember me. And so we come together in the church today in a, in a, in a, in a pretty bad representation uh, of that meal. Um, but we do it in the same spirit that because he has not skipped us over, we can come together as one. And I can learn of your gift, you can learn of my gift, and the promises that Jesus would manifest in our presence. He would sit at the head of the table and be serving this meal to us. This is the power of church. This is the power of communion. This is more powerful than any four steps to financial independence or, 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 or the six principles of making your wife think that she's not an independent person. Um, this, this is... <clears throat> I'm on rant mode right now, and I'm trying to keep it together. Are you with me? I think I'll say my next rant after we receive the Lord's table, right? So I'm going to say pure right now. We'll receive the Lord's table together. Are you with me? Listen, I'm just, I just want to talk to you like family right now. I'm not, I'm not here trying to put on a performance. I need you to know Jesus. I need you to know the living God because I want to know what he's saying to you. And I don't care what religion is telling you. I had a, um, okay, stand with me. I'm going to say some gossip, and then we're going to have the Lord's table. I had a life group. Early in the church, we had a life group in my living room. And uh, we would gather around and we'd talk about what the Lord is telling our church. And it was, it was, it was just a beautiful, beautiful time. Um, it, was, it was beautiful. Uh, God would manifest in such a, a, a wonderful way. And uh, there was a, a young woman who kept coming who would come and give testimony of what she heard at her church that week. And we're like, that's great and all, um, but that's not really what we're here for. Like, this, this is a small group from this church uh, hearing what the Lord is telling us. And we super appreciate the lists you're bringing and all that. That's all wonderful, but we're really, really kind of interested in what God is speaking to us as a community. See, they went to a church where it was all about cerebral teaching. And we were a community that talked about relationship how we're living life with one another. And they somehow thought that we were lacking because we didn't have this disconnected teaching. Uh, and we're like, no, you're not even a part of what we're doing here. You really need to. And so a number of years later, um, they, they gave me a one-star review on something and said, uh, when I went to their church, they wouldn't let me talk about other churches. And I'm like, you just, you've completely missed it. <laughs> like, when, when, you, when you value community, when you, when you value community, you see like, Man, having somebody walking next to me is so much more important than me being all, all knowledgeable. Yeah. I don't care if you have the Bible memorized. If you haven't learned how to love, it, has your heart been transformed to, for the poor, for the hurting? Yeah. Have you seen Jesus' heart for the broken and the marginalized? Have you, have you seen how Jesus died for the sinner? Like how he loves those sinners that you want to build like a proverbial wall to keep them out of our little church circle. Um, like, have you met him, the man Jesus, who really loves? This is what we're about. And so um, I, every time I have uh, dinner, uh, I have communion. My family prays, we talk, we have life, uh, we have meals with other people. To me, that's true communion. And this is a, a remembrance of what Christ did for us in that first communion, where he sits at the head of the table. Uh, and if I can accomplish nothing else today, though I have a whole message that I now have 11 minutes to do, 
If I accomplish nothing else today, uh, I want you to take this away. It's my heart that when you gather around a table with anybody else, that you would recognize that there is an open chair that Jesus is sitting in. And that you would be able to sit at that table with that other Christ bearer. And recognize that Jesus is there in the midst and he's pleased. Hallelujah. 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 Christianity is not a self-help cult. We're, we, we worship and serve Jesus. This is, this is what we do. We have a king. His name is Jesus. We have a master. His name is Jesus. We have a guru. His name is Jesus. We have a spirit guide. His name is Jesus. We have a Lord. His name is Jesus. I have given my life to someone else, and his name is Jesus. He has this organization he wants me to give full allegiance to. It's called the church. And I'm a part of it. Amen? I want you to be a part with me. On the night he was betrayed, he had the bread and he had the juice. And he, uh, he knew he was going to be betrayed by these people. And yet he still sat and he broke bread with them and he drank. And he said, this is my body, which was broken for you. Literally, they're around the, the table and the lamb is there. But they say, this is my body broken for you. My body broken for you. Friend, I don't know where you're at in Christ today, but if you think you have to earn something from God, if you think the point of this life is to earn something in the afterlife, if you think anything you do matters, man, I'm going to welcome you into grace, into a relationship with Jesus Christ. Oh, pastor, I can sin? Come on. You know that's not what I'm talking about. This is not what we're talking about. We're talking about you having a relationship with the living God who died on the cross for your sins. And you receiving that love, even though you didn't earn it, even though you didn't deserve it. This is what we're talking about. We're talking about you being a child and allowing the father to be the father. My kids have never once asked me how we're paying the mortgage this month. Never once. I've paid the mortgage for them for a very long time. They've never once said, well, I better do really good in school so we can get the mortgage paid. Like, what you do has nothing to do with me paying the mortgage. Your sins have been paid for. Hallelujah. And you could say, man, I better wear my skirt a little bit longer, or I better just pray a little longer to deserve nothing. It has nothing to, one has nothing to do with the other. Your sins are paid for. Now, because I paid the mortgage, I hope my kids respect the house. hope they treat it with the love that I've given it to them with. And because he paid for our sins, I hope that we treat it with honor and respect <laughs> because it costs so much. But you are free, friend. Hallelujah. Receive the body that bought you and made you free. Hallelujah. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Wow. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus, I'm not in a rush this morning, Lord. Friend, forgive me. We, um, we try to get done here by about 11.15, so if you're done before I am, we don't lock the door, right? <laughs> we love you. Nobody's judging you. And he spilled that blood, that blood that washes you clean, gives you new life. That new vessel he just made with the bread, he's going to fill with some new wine. And uh, I am going to preach the fastest message you may have ever heard me preach today. But if you don't get nothing else out of the message, I want you to get this. He wants to give you new wine in this new vessel. The power of the Holy Ghost is going to be raining on the inside of you and raining upon you. Some of you are going to get a fresh filling today at the receiving of the cup of the new covenant. I believe the Lord is empowering us to shake off the malaise of this last season, to shake off the warfare, to shake off the lies of the devil in your head and to say, no, 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 I am a child of the living God. I'm living with purpose. He died for me, shed his blood for me. And now because of my faith in Christ Jesus, I will live, wow, and reign with him. He put a new spirit on the inside of me and gave me a new heart like the prophet said. And today, I believe that the Spirit of the living God, wow, 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 wants to rain on the inside of you, empowering you to live with a new and fresh heart. 
We thank you, Jesus. That wow for this. Wow this. Mm, wow wow wow. I'm getting rocked right now. Thank you, Jesus. I got the Holy Ghost sneak attack happening on me right now. Lord, we need a fresh filling. Receive the cup of the new covenant in Jesus' name. Ha! Just thank him there for just for a second here. Just begin to thank him. Just begin to thank him with your mouth, if you would, please. If you're comfortable, just thank him. Thank him with your voice. In your, in your thanksgiving right now, I believe he's going to give some of you a fresh word. Oh, wow, a fresh vision. Shekaba, remind you of promises past. Shabbat, thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for my mind that you help me focus it on you and my testimony and the goodness and that you empower me. Mm, don't stop. Don't stop. And that you empower me to meditate on good things. You empower me to not meditate on calamity, on what could go wrong, but what could go right. Thank you that you open doors of opportunity for me with you. Thank you that you have appointed times and seasons that I will encounter you. And you have promises you've laid out for me in the future that I'm looking forward to receiving. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Amen, 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 amen. Come on, give a clap to God. Have a seat if you would. That was good. This is going to be interesting. If you've got a Bible, go ahead and turn to 1 Kings. If you watch TikTok at all, uh, you are going to understand the speed at with which I'm about to talk through this message. You got some fast talkers on TikTok. I didn't quite get it. And then I'm like, ah, children, short attention span, talk fast. I get it. So, hey, that's how I am. That or they're all Cuban, right? Like Cubans have the fastest Spanish on the planet. Anybody notice that? Like, just, just speed through. Like, what's the rush, bro? Like, you know, we're not paying for the language by the minute. Take your time. Take your time. I used to go on the mission field, and my Spanglish was better when I was younger than it is now. And uh, I would go to Nicaragua, and I'd be talking a little Spanglish. I'd try to work it out. And uh, when you minister to kids, uh, kids are beautiful, but kids are stupid, right? And so, like, and so they think, like, like I will help you out. I'll be like, look, I really need you to slow down because I can understand you, but not at this speed. I need you. And kids don't speak right anyways, right? And so, like, you ask them to slow down. And so I'd have this girl who, bless her heart, she would just scream everything to me. And I'm like, I'm not hard of hearing. I just don't understand. Yo! Tango, like I'm not deaf. I just need you to slow down a little bit. Now I got hearing problems. I'm going to need a miracle of, of healing. And I want to talk to you today about stubborn faith. Amen. I want to talk to you today about stubborn faith. Amen. I want to talk to you about stubborn faith today. I, I don't, I don't, you know, I, um, I go through seasons with God. Maybe you do. I, I, I go through seasons, it feels like. Um, uh, we all want our, our, you know, we want our relationship to God to look like a successful business relationship up and to the right. You know, things only get easier. I only get more payback. Things only get better. And uh, the truth is, the relationship with God is similar to every other relationship in your life. It's complex. There's things going on you don't know about. There's other things happening. And uh, I, I, I have... Um, I, I, in this season, I, I'm like trying to talk to God, trying to figure out what's going on, trying to understand what's happening in the times and seasons that we are living in. And uh, I, I, I have noticed um, a couple things in my life, and hopefully some of this will help you out today. I, hopefully I can give you something that's going to encourage you in the midst of what's happening in our world right now. I, 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 I'm, I'm desperate to hear God in my life. I'm absolutely desperate to hear his voice. I'm desperate to hear what he's speaking. I'm desperate to know what his direction is because I, I find that I get orders from God. I know where I'm going and then I just run forward with those things. And after a while, I look around to see if anybody's actually following me. I, I look around like, like you know, when, when you tell your kids, we're going to go do this thing and you march out and you go do it. And then like at the mall, follow me, kids. And if you're a parent, have you ever lost your kid at the mall? There's nothing more terrifying than losing your kid at the mall. I mean, it's absolutely terrifying because um, you don't know. Like, in your mind, as a parent, you think the moment that you lose where your kid is, like, there just happens to be some sort of predator waiting to whisk them away in a white van, right? And uh, put them into a sweatshop in India uh, where they're going to live for the rest of their lives. That's like, that's, that's your mind. And uh, normally, um, when your kid has disappeared, they're just doing something fun, right? It comes, it's, it's a life of every parent 
they, and they'll, they'll, every parent remembers this moment when it happens. Like at what point they realize their child has their own, their own uh, issues and their own desires, their own personality, their own uh, uh, mission in life. And their mission is rarely the same as yours. Rarely the same as yours. I, I won't talk about either of my children because, you know, I don't want to embarrass them or myself. I think most of my children's problems in childhood was, uh, you know, bad parenting. Right, uh, and, and that's just where I've come to in life. Uh, but we want our kids to like get on the plan and follow it, please. Just get on the plan and follow it, please. And our kids are like, yeah, the problem you don't recognize is I have my own plan. And I plan on following that. And I'm like, no, 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 the plan is to do this. The plan is we're going to get in the car. We're going to go to Publix. We're going to get the stuff. We're then going to go to this other store. We're then going to drive by Grandma's house. Then we're coming home. And they're like, I don't think you know the plan. I'm running down the sidewalk. <laughs> The plan is to run down the sidewalk. I'm going to put on my boots, and then I'm going to run down the sidewalk. And you're like, we're not wearing boots today. I don't know if you know the plan, they're saying. You're telling me your plan. You haven't heard my plan. My plan is I put on the boots, and then I run down the sidewalk. And you're like, oh, you're trying to use your words. No, 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 the boots don't go with this outfit. And the kid's like, oh, let me explain to you. And they throw themselves on the ground and scream. This is me communicating to you that the plan is different. Why won't you get on board the plan? Right? And so that's kind of like us and God, right? Like, like, like God's got this plan. We're not exactly sure what it is, but we want to put on our boots and run down the sidewalk. In, in that story, we're the ones laying on the ground screaming that things are not going the way that we think they should be going. Don't get it twisted. We are the infant throwing the temper tantrum. If you've heard anybody give really salient arguments on why they shouldn't have to wear a mask, you're like, ah, toddler. Yes, I get it. You think you're the parent with the intellect. You're really the toddler having a fit. Yes, I fully understand what's happening right now. And this is, this is like, this is, this is the challenge. Like, with God, we continually forget our relational dynamic. That he's, like, by definition, watch this, he's the God. He's the God in the relationship, and uh, we kind of confuse what, 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 what that means, what it means that I am the creation, and He is the creator. We, 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 we don't understand, and so seasons like 2020 happen, and, and if you remember at Revival Life, we talked about, we knew, we knew this was coming. We didn't know it was a, a, a coronavirus, we, we didn't know uh, that it was a pandemic, but we knew something was coming. We, we knew the political chaos was coming. The Lord had been speaking to us and said, hey, don't worship the government. Things are about to go sideways. Don't worship the economy. You better not worship, you know, what, 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 what everything seeming normal because at the drop of a hat, things can get ugly. We knew it. And then when 2020 dropped, we're like, but you know what? Just because you knew it's coming doesn't make it any easier. Doesn't make it any easier. We see in the life of Paul all throughout early Acts, they keep telling him, hey, you're, you're, you're going you're gonna to think bad times are coming. And the prophets would tell him, bad times are coming. Don't go to Jerusalem. Things are going to go really ugly if you go to Jerusalem. And Paul's like, but I got to go to Jerusalem. Like, I know this is what God wants me to do. God, God wants me to go to Rome by way of Jerusalem. And everybody's getting these prophetic words. Bad times are coming, Paul. Bad times are coming. And Paul's like, I don't have a choice in the matter. I got to go anyways. And so he goes, and uh, you think, oh, he's imperfectly in God's will. Things are going to be beautiful for him, man. He's, it's going to be so sweet knowing that you're in God's presence. And then things don't work that way for him. He's persecuted. He's in jail. And then Jesus shows up to him, the Bible says, and, and tells him, like, hey, be strengthened. I'm here with you. Be encouraged. Now, Paul didn't need that word because, you know, he was a little sad that he wasn't, you know, being able to write another book. It's because life was hard. So here we see the Apostle Paul knew bad times were coming, knew that he was supposed to go into those bad times. He couldn't do anything about it. Bad times came, and he couldn't do anything about it. D d welcome to Christianity. Th this, is real, this is real life Christianity. This is the Apostle Paul we're talking about who wrote Scripture in the midst of this horrible time. You're like, wow, Pastor, really encouraging, really appreciate that. How about three words of success? I, I mean, like, I understand you want an alliteration for, you know, how, how to fill your bank account. I get that. Here's, a, here's what I want to speak to you today. Um, we could get into a place 
uh, we're, we're, we're fighting, and we don't even know what we're fighting. We, we, can, we can be in a season where things just seem so hard, and we can just say, I don't understand why things are so hard. Have you heard yourself asking this question this season? Why are things so hard? Why? Why can't they just, why can't I just get a little momentum? Let, let, me, let me tell you, we're people of the Spirit. We were made for times like this. We, we're people of the Holy Ghost. We're, we're, we were made for times where, where the world does not understand what's happening. And we're here to let the world know, listen, this life is not predictable. This life, you cannot count on the world doing things logically or reasonably. That is not who we are. Look, we're not just playing church. That's not what we do. We don't come Sunday just to play church. We are the body of Christ. This is who we are. Christ took suffering. Christ took beatings. He got persecution. You're like, well, that was just Jesus. But I just told you about Paul. Paul was a follower of Jesus. And if you follow Jesus, you're going to follow him into some bad times. You're going to follow Jesus into some hard times. You're going to follow Jesus into some trials. You're going to follow Jesus into some droughts. You're going to follow Jesus into some persecution. If you are a follower of Christ and you're not getting some warfare, you might want to make sure he's who you're following. Because wherever there's warfare, that's where Jesus is. When's the last time you were in some spiritual warfare? When's the last time? Let me, let me, let me explain this to you. Uh, that, that time that you thought was just depression might have just been the enemy trying to get you off track. That time the chaos was happening in your family, and you just don't understand why you, these people in your family were acting so bad. It might just be the enemy trying to cause division in your family. But we don't recognize it because we've been promised a life that Jesus never promised, a life of ease, a life of pleasure, a life of prosperity. And Jesus said, listen, you, you are not going to escape the hard times. The promise is I'm going to be there in the midst of them with you by my spirit giving you wisdom and encouraging you and giving you power and giving you authority in the midst of those hard times. Listen, you might be in a dry season right now, and I'm here to let you know it's not necessarily because you did something wrong. Shake that off of you right now. Shake it off. Like, it's not because somebody failed you. It's not, I mean, more than likely. I mean, maybe they did. Maybe you have bums in your life. I don't know. But just because things are not going exactly how you want them to go does not mean you messed up. Does not mean that God failed. Does not mean that the promises aren't true. It might just mean that you're really a Christian. It might just mean that you really are a Christ follower, and this hardship that you're in the midst of is where Jesus needs you. People are like, I want to be a missionary. I'm like, praise God, just follow Jesus. I'm like, we don't need colonizers. Like, that, that's, that, 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 like, that's not what the church needs right now. I remember the first time I went to Nicaragua, I've been saved, I don't know, about a minute. Right. And uh, they're like, we're going to go down there and we're going to whatever. And we go there and I'm like staying at a, in a church house. Everybody I meet's a Christian. I'm like, I think somebody lied to me. Like this, the church is here. Why did I pay this much money to come to, to another church? Like, let's go to where the lost people are. Like the church in Nicaragua doesn't need more Christians. Like, let's find lost people. Like, what, what, I'm like, well, we're going to do this conference. I'm not doing a conference. Christians go to conferences. I, I, don't, I don't need to fly to Nicaragua to go to another conference. I want to find some lost people. And so I, I find lost people, and I start witnessing the lost people. And then I find myself in a little bit of trouble uh, because I'm in neighborhoods that white Americans who aren't bilingual really shouldn't be in. And I tell you what, that's when I needed Jesus. I didn't need Jesus in the church. I didn't need Jesus in the conference. I didn't need Jesus on the flight over. I didn't need Jesus when I'm sleeping in the pastor's house. I needed Jesus where the chaos is. I needed Jesus. And so as a Christian, it's my job to go places that he has not manifested yet and carry his presence. And they may treat you like Jesus, but you may get resurrected like Jesus as well. And I want to be the resurrected life present in areas that he is not present yet in. That's what being a Christian is about. You see, what we forget as Christians is that your life is worship and intercession. We don't just do worship. We don't just do intercession. I mean, that's great and all. Let's all sing songs together. That is wonderful. But is your life worship? Our life is to be worship and intercession. All right, I'm, I'm, I'm coming in for a close here. Not true, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to act like it. And so as we finish up this series on Elijah today... Um, uh, we, we are, you know, Elijah stood against the powers of his time. He was the man of God. He told Israel, you cannot, you cannot worship false gods. Things go bad. And they said, well, we want for our crops, we want prosperity. So we're just going to mix things up a little bit. And Elijah said, well, 
If you want a false god to help you guys out, have at it. Let your god bring you rain. Uh, their false god couldn't bring rain. A showdown on Mount Carmel, as we talked about last week. Uh, he let them try to produce rain. Uh, looked just like a Pentecostal worship service with people jumping around acting the fool, but nothing actually happening, right? I'll say that as a Pentecostal. I'm a Pentecostal, right? I'm talking about my people. My people. I can criticize them. If you're not Pentecostal, keep it to yourself. Criticize your people, right? I'll criticize my people. I've been in too many conferences where we're jumping around accomplishing nothing. Hallelujah. I like jumping around worship. I also like Jesus to actually be present. So they're jumping around, acting a fool, acting like their God's going to do something, except he didn't. Elijah quietly aligns up with the God of Israel and the traditions that he gave them. Fire of God falls, consumes the offering, praise God. And so here's where we are now. Are you with me? Excellent. So Elijah, on that mountain, he stood as a real worshiper and as a real intercessor. He, he, He didn't just sing songs when the band was playing. He lived a life of worshiping God. He lived a life worshiping God. He was an intercessor, not in just that he said intercessory prayers, but the real intercessor stands between the lost people and the altar. This is what the intercessor does. The intercessor stands between the altar where the glory of God is and the people who do not know him. And they say, I will be the bridge between the lost and the spirit of God. I will be a physical living bridge between my lost family members and the promise of Jesus for my family. I will be a bridge between the sin that I see in my nation and the promises of God for those who will follow him. I will be that bridge. I will be the one standing in faith, declaring the word of God that's standing behind me as the promise at the altar toward the people who need to hear who the true God is. I will be the worshiper. Watch this. The worshiper stands and faces the altar and lives and loves and sings about the true living God. And after encountering this God in worship, they turn around and they become, I'm going to be the bridge between this God that I have just seen and this world that I live amongst. I will live among you as one who knows the glory of God and worships the living God. That, 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 that's what it means to be a worshiper. And when you're in worship in the service, the whole goal is to be facing the altar, get filled with his presence, to be overwhelmed by his majesty, to get prophetic revelations so that you can turn and share it with the world. That's the point of worship. See, the problem is uh, our, our, our nation is coming to a reckoning. We got problems that dead religion will not solve. Dead religion will not solve what our country is facing. Dead religion will not solve um, the sins of greed, the the, the sins of gluttony, uh, the sins of oppression. Dead religion will not solve these things. And and what we're seeing is, uh, you know, we talked in worship about how we could could turn this thing into a business if, if we so wanted, and we won't, though. Because it's not going to actually solve the spiritual problems today. You see, what we need is a fresh connection with God. This is what we need. And this is what Elijah was producing on that mountain. The lightning came from heaven and started the fire that was on the altar. It's our job to keep the fire burning on the altar. And this was Elijah as the intercessor. See, Elijah had a stubborn faith. Elijah had stubborn faith. He, 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 He believed what God said. Let's go this. 1 Kings 18. The fire came. Ahab must have been some kind of freaked out, right? The fire came. Now, Elijah said to Ahab, go up, eat and drink, for there is the sound. Say sound. For there is the sound of the, of the roar of heavy shower. There is the sound of the roar of heavy showers. I want you to remember that. There is the sound of the roar of heavy shower. So Ahab went to eat and drink, but Elijah went up to the top of Carmel And he crouched down to the earth and put his face between his knees. He said to his servant, go up now, look toward the sea. So he went up and looked and said, there is nothing. I'm telling you, this is where a whole bunch of America is living right now. Especially the American church. People in this church, my friends in this church, my family, people I know and love are living right here. There are promises and I have had warfare. But when I look on the horizon, there is nothing. I feel like there is nothing coming. I see nothing. Thank you so much. There is nothing. 
Do you have a there is nothing in your life today? Do you have an area that you knew promises, you did everything you're supposed to do, and all you got is there is nothing? Is there, is there like promises unfulfilled? Are there things that you were sure God was going to do, but every time you look at them, there is nothing? You get a voice, you look there, and all you say is, all you hear is, you're not going to make it. You're not going to get ahead. This is not going to end. Do you have a there is nothing? I feel like today there's a whole bunch of people with a there is nothing on the horizon. I need a little more success in this area. I need a little more something. I need, I don't know what. We don't know the servant's name. We, 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 don't, we, don't, we don't know. But, for, but Elijah, here he is, the man of God, the intercessor, the worshiper. You can take it down, sir. The, 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 we don't know. All we know is that Elijah did what he was supposed to do. He sent his servant. Look, I, I hear the sound of rain. I hear it. I've heard it. But I got this guy who keeps telling me, it ain't coming. It ain't coming. Matter of fact, he looks seven times. It ain't, it ain't coming. For most of us, if I could say this gently, that servant, that voice in our life is us. That's us believing the lies of the devil. That's us not recognizing that we are in warfare right now. And that voice that's saying things are only going to get harder, things are only going to, you're so tired, you're, you're at the end of your rope, you just need to lay down, you need to just not engage, you need to withdraw, you need to back down, you need to take it easy, you need to just, it's not going to get better, you need to just give up, you need to just resign yourself. That, that's, that, that's us. That's our own voice. And I don't say that to make you ashamed or to, or, to, or to call out sin or anything. I'm here to say we need to recognize that there is a, we got our own spiritual battle happening right now in this season. There has been a great deal of sin that has been sown in our country against us by a great number of people who claim to represent Jesus. And the church is now in warfare. Hear me. This is, this is how is it possible? Oh, Jesus. Here we go. I should probably skip this, but I'm not going to. How is it possible? Well, we're going to be a prophetic church, amen? Yeah. We need to hear what the Spirit is saying. How is it possible for the church in America to say the crazy, crazy, ungodly things it said in the last year and the church not be in warfare because it really lies? How can you lie and not be in warfare afterwards? How can you give false prophecies without repentance and not think you've opened a door to the enemy? How, how is that possible? How, how is it possible you have put forth a false god and a, and, a, and a false leader to worship and not think that on some level that's going to cause some problems? Who's with me here? I'm here to let you know. This is the, yeah, amen. And so here we are. Here we are. Created Jesus after some sort of other god. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if they've read the book, but I've read the book and the guy they're telling me to follow don't look like Jesus. That's going to cause some problems in the church. And now we are the church of Jesus Christ here in intercession mode, ha having some sort of uh, trying to be a bridge between who Jesus really is and a church that wants something else. I want to be fabulously wealthy. I want to be fabulously successful. I want to lose 50 pounds. You know, I want to, I want to be, you know, five inches taller. I want all those things, right? And I understand that American Jesus can give me all those things. But I just want Jesus more than anything. And if that means me shorter, fatter, whiter, you know, whatever, it is what it is. Here's the lie of the devil. God didn't work. It failed. Following Jesus didn't work. That's, a, I mean, I tell you the most sad meetings I have. Or when I sit down and people are like, I tried God and it didn't work. I'm like, oh, it breaks my heart. I get a little offended because you're lying on my God. But then I recognize what they're saying is I put my heart into something that somebody told me and it didn't work. And now I am broken. I get that brokenness. This is why false doctrine is so demonic. You put their faith in a false God. And you somehow, I mean, there's, 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 millions and millions of Americans that think God failed them this last election season. That breaks my heart. There are dead Christians in America today because they believed false prophecies about coronavirus. There were false prophecies given that this is a hoax, and then they died of this thing. And their families are now like, who is God? Theology matters. 
It matters. False prophecy matters. False teaching matters. And the church is under some warfare right now because of it. And, and, I, and I, I've just decided I'm going to be a Christian regardless of what happens around me. How about you? Yes. See, see, in the very, very beginning in the garden, oh, Jesus, in the very beginning in the garden, the lie that came in, did God say? Did he say? Are you sure that's what he said? Are you sure you can fully trust the word of God? How about, mm, I know, maybe you can gain some control. You know, maybe if you just do this a little bit, you could be more in control of what's going on around you. That's what the devil lied in the garden. That's how he lied to Jesus in the temptation. This is how he's lying to you today. How about I just show you how you can be in a little bit more control? It's a little bit of mixture. And it didn't work then. It doesn't work now. It didn't rain on the word of Elijah. Did you notice that? The rain that he defeated the prophets of Baal. The fire came down and it didn't rain. And now he's sitting there with an assistant saying, see, it ain't raining. And Elijah, the Bible says, is sitting, got his head between his knees, and he sounds exhausted. Have you felt exhausted in this season? Have you felt like your energy has been depleted? There's a word for it. I'm going to teach on it here in the coming weeks. It's called languishing. And most of us are languishing in this season, not thriving like God wants us to. We're languishing. We're going to start next week. We're going to start a series. My wife and I are going to teach next week together. We're going to talk about, amen, amen, amen. We're going to talk about wellness. We're talking about just being healthier internally. We're just going to spend a couple of weeks on it. We've got a couple of people going to talk with me here. I'm uh, going to share the pulpit. We're just going to like, the Lord is going to minister to his body. Uh, and here we got, here we bring, bring a friend. If you know people caught in depression and anxiety in this season who are just depleted, it's time to be refreshed, right? And it's going to start with this burning room where we're just going to let the Lord refresh us. Listen, I'm coming to an end here, kind of. Um, so now, he, now here he is. Elijah is completely depleted. And right here, right here, the rain has not come, but the fire fell. And right here, this is where the enemy is trying one last time to get him to give up. Go look for rain. There ain't nothing. There ain't nothing there. Verse 43, he said to his servant, go look now toward the sea. He looked up and said, there is nothing. And Elijah said, keep going, next verse. There is nothing. And he said, go back. Seven times Elijah had to do this. Seven times. Friend, it is not over until you get everything God promised you. It is not over until every promise of God is fulfilled in your life. Listen, it is not over until the word of God is fulfilled in your family. It's not over until the word of God is fulfilled in your finances. It's not over until the word of God is fulfilled in your relationships. It is not over over until the word of God comes to pass in your life. But it's going to take a little bit of stubborn faith. It's going to take a little bit of, I don't care about what I see around me. I am continuing to march on. Stubborn faith is going to produce something in your life. Way back at the beginning of the story, way back at the beginning, the Lord spoke to Elijah. 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 1. It says, Now it happened after many years that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, Go, show yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain on the face of the earth. I will send. And this is what Elijah was holding out for. He wasn't holding out for shaming uh, uh, Ahab. He wasn't out for shaming the prophets of Baal. He wasn't out there to put on a, a sideshow. He, he was out there to see the rain come, you see? But he had this side quest. Remember, we talked about the side quest. He had this side quest that he had to go out there and prove the false prophets wrong. Right? And so he instead, he had this thing going on, this, this mission that God had sent him on, this grand mission, and God said in the middle of the mission, hey, I got this side quest for you. You're going to have this little showdown on, 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 on the mountain. And on the mountain, then we're going to do it, and then we're going to go back to your main mission. And sometimes, pardon me drawing this out, but sometimes we think in our lives the side quest is the main mission. And we get so caught up in the side quest, we forget what we're really here for. Like maybe, maybe you got in a relationship and the relationship became more important than the God who brought you into the relationship. Maybe he gave you a good job and the job becomes more important than the, than the God who gave you the job. Maybe you're in a, in a season of warfare and you got so involved in the warfare, you forgot about the one who won the war on the cross, right? We, we get so involved in the side 
quest that we forget that there is a bigger picture happening here. And the bigger picture is that God saved you by the sacrifice of his son Jesus so that you can come into grace and you can live a fulfilled life in Christ, being his representative on the earth, living in righteousness and peace and the power of the Holy Ghost. Can you say amen? Come on, this is what it's about. This is what it's about. Look, you're going to see breakthrough when you keep stubborn faith. When Jesus was born, they, 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 this, this Luke chapter 1, there's all these prophecies about how amazing Jesus is. And Mary got these words about Jesus coming. And this is what was spoken to her. Luke chapter 1, verse 45. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a, say it with me, fulfillment of what had been spoken to her by the Lord. Put it back up again. 145. Is it up there? It's up there. Luke 145, and blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what had been spoken to her by the Lord. I'm going to say it again. Blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment. 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 Luke chapter 1, verse 1, Luke writes, hey, lots of people have written about this already, but I am writing this to let you know everything that was fulfilled in the years around us. See, Jesus came and he fulfilled the promises of God. Mary got promises. And the word she got was, hey, you're going to be blessed if you hold on to this word until it's fulfilled. You may have some words floating around and you can say there's nothing there. God is going to fulfill his promises in your life. He is going, you need to hold on to them. Don't, don't settle for a little bit. Don't settle for second best. Don't, don't settle for sprinkles, right? And it says in verse 34, it came about, at the seventh time, the seventh time he went to look for it, behold, a cloud as small as a man's hand is coming up from the sea. And he said, go up, say to Ahab, prepare your chariot and go down so that the heavy shower does not stop you. Elijah's like, look, I saw the rain in the spirit and I believed God. Then I told my servant, go, go look, go look, because there's going to be something that's going to happen. And the man just saw a cloud. Just a little bit of a cloud. All he needed was the cloud. All he needed was a little confirmation. He wasn't confused. He didn't just say, oh, well, little cloud, little shower. Elijah said, no. The Lord promised me a, 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 a downpour. I saw the cloud, and I started warning people about the coming flood. Listen, in your life, I want you to look out for the little cloud. These are confirmations that God is walking with you. I want you to see them and say, oh, that's not, no, 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 that's, that wasn't all. No, no, no. I see now that God is going to fulfill his call in my life because I see it beginning to move already. Oh, maybe I didn't get the full job I was looking for, but I see my boss is seeing what's going on in the inside of me. And he's now starting to see that I'm good. But what's really happening is he's seeing the promise of God in my life that's going to come to pass in this job. And if he will just line up with what God's word in my life, I'll probably be running this whole thing soon, right? Like there, 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 there is a promise that is on you that's affecting the world around you, but you need to believe it. Can you say amen? You need to believe this thing on the inside of you. God is going to fulfill it. God is going to make it come to pass. And the Holy Ghost of God that is upon you is lining things up around you to make this come to pass. Oh, Jesus. All right. I could preach this all day, but I'm not going to. Hallelujah. Are you feeling all right? Are you feeling all right? In this season of warfare that we're in right now, the enemy wants you to think that the problem is God, uh, that God somehow failed you or God disappointed you or God let you down. And the answer to your problems in the warfare is to find something outside of God. I'm reading to you from my journal. This is what the Lord spoke to me. Now see that these, <laughs> that the enemy himself set this. He, it's a master trap. On one side, he's attacking you. So you're in a season of struggle. The enemy has come into some, into strain some of your relationships or tax your mental health or make some things in your life harder. But then he acts like a ventriloquist as if it's God that's done these things somehow and God failed you in it. So now if you do nothing, the devil wins because he gets to continue his attacks. But if you don't want to do nothing, so you're looking for a solution and there's the devil giving you a solution run from God. But somebody's got stubborn faith. Somebody's got stubborn faith. And they say, these attacks don't look like God. Your solutions don't look like God. I'm going to stand and see the deliverance of my God. 
Come on, I just want to strengthen you a little bit today. Stubborn faith is going to get you through this season. Stand with me. Stubborn faith is going to get you through this season. Stubborn faith. Stubborn faith is going to get you through this season. You hold on to what God has spoken to you. You hold on to his promises. You hold on to what you know to be true about Jesus. I feel, I feel this. Mm. The things I've seen God doing in, in this house, the things I've seen in the past, the prophetic words that have lined up for the future. I got people from other areas texting me prophecies. I'm like, do you understand the struggle the church is in right now? I'm talking to other pastors. They're like, man, I can't get anybody to serve. I'm like, oh, that makes sense. My son is in a leadership position of a group on campus at FAU. And their first meetings are about, we can't get anybody to serve. Talking to businesses, and they're like, we can't get anybody to come work. I'm like, man, there's something going on in the spirit realm. There's something in the spirit realm. What, what do you think, the world's going to fix that? Who's going? Who's going to fix that? The government going to fix that? Does someone all of a sudden think the government's got some spiritual answers for our country? I don't. Who's going to fix that? It's us. It's the church of Jesus Christ. It's believers who know how to pray, who know how to stand in the gap, who know how to worship, who know how to do the opposite, who know how to hold on to God's promises. We're going to break this curse in our land in the name of Jesus. And we're going to see the glory of God released over this nation as the waters cover the sea. This is the promise of God. The promise of God is revival in Boca Raton. The promise of God is that the angels of God are stationed here in Boca Raton for breakthrough, for healing, for miracles, for deliverance. The promise of God is that your latter days shall be better than your former days. And it's not the world who can make that come to pass for us. It's not somebody who doesn't even come to church who's going to make that happen. That's us, the believers, who continue to love, who continue to serve, who continue to give, who continue to be faithful, who pick up the phone and make sure people are okay and visit folks and bring them a meal and gather around the table and say, Jesus, come to the head. Speak to us and let us know about your true identity. Can you say amen? Amen, 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 amen. Listen, I'm going to end with this. I'm sorry I went a little late. Sorry, not sorry. Uh, if you're away from God right now, I want to give you an opportunity to just go ahead and recommit. Put your head down. Don't look around. I just want to give some people some anonymity. 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 Be anonymous. Keep your eyes closed. If you're saying, Pastor, Good God, I'm, I'm in a rough season and uh, I, need, I, need to, I need to reconnect with God. I need to reconnect with God. Maybe you've never connected with Him. Maybe it's time to come back. I don't know. This is between you and God. I'm, I'm not calling anybody forward. I'm not going to have an altar call, but I want to pray for you. I want to pray for those of you who feel separated. Maybe you're online and that's you today and you're like, I need, I need this reconnection you're talking about, Pastor. It makes sense to me. If that's you, I just want you to, I just want you to respond. Wave a hand. Put your hand up and down real quick for me. Uh, just wave around. I see you. Yeah, 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 yeah. I see you. Put your hands down. Yeah, yeah. Father, we love you in the name of Jesus. I thank you for these people who are honest with you today who say, I need a connection with the living God. And that child. Whatever's happening with that child, we just... Father, we are that child, though, screaming, not knowing what the heck we're doing and what we're affecting around us. Just completely self-absorbed in what's happening in our lives not recognizing how it's affecting the people around us. Lord, I pray that we, the church, would walk in union with your spirit, declaring a better day to the people around us. Wash us clean of our sins and bring us into full relationship with you. Now, let me tell you, Elijah, Elijah decided to turn the climate. Elijah decided to serve when no one would serve. He decided to intercede when no one would intercede. He decided to worship when no one would worship. That, that, that's, I want to be in the community of those people. How about you? How about you? I want to be in the community. Like, I, I, don't, I can go to the movies to catch a movie. I want to be in the community of people who count on one another. Who I look around at other intercessors, other worshipers. Who when I'm the one who's lost in a way that they'll bridge the gap for me. I want to invite you to be part of that community today. Here at Revival Life Church, I want to draw people into this community that doesn't look at Jesus for what we can get out of Him, but for who we are in Him. 
you're not serving, I want to challenge you today. Don't leave without filling out a connection card and begin to serve and sow into what God is doing here. If you're not faithful in your giving, decide. Just, just start. Just start somewhere, anywhere. Bring people who can encounter life here. And then take them out to lunch afterwards. Have lunch with somebody and just love on them real good. Do something for your neighbor. Hey, just begin being the church of Jesus Christ. Can you say amen to that? Amen. Amen. Thank you. Man, come on, let's give it up for the word this morning. Thank you guys so much for joining us today. We really appreciate you being here. Getting together on Sunday mornings is honestly, it's just, it's, it's one of the best parts of our week. Amen. 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 Hey guys, listen, if you need someone to pray for you, like Pastor mentioned, we'll have people who will pray for you up at the front, uh, or, you can, or you can text uh, GoRLC to 97000, and we can uh, pray for you that way, you know, um, anonymously, right? <laughs> um, but yeah, if, if uh, Chris, can, or uh, can we get a couple people up here who can pray with us, uh, some life group leaders? Um, and again, if you need prayer, we, we would love to pray for you this morning. Let's give it up for Jesus one more time. God bless you guys. Have an amazing week. Don't forget, next Friday is Burning Room. We'd love to see you there. Enjoy your Sunday. God bless you.